ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 930 present The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Member FDIC. Good afternoon. It's time for The Drive with Paul Swan. I'm Bill Cornwell in for Paul Swan on this uh, Thursday evening, the 8th of August. Hard to believe. We are... uh, we're a little over three weeks away from uh, kickoff time for most high schools in the area and, of course, college football. As a matter of fact, um, a lot of the college uh, activity will be kicking off three weeks from tonight on the 29th. But, of course, we're looking forward to the 31st. A lot of college football going on, of course, right here on these very airwaves. Marshall Thundering Herd taking on the VMI Kedets. And uh, that's uh, really our focus tonight because uh, – after uh, a little bit of uh, time, after our next break, we're going to talk to the longtime voice of the VMI Kedets, also the sports information director at the Virginia Military Institute, old friend of mine from our from Marshall's days in the Southern Conference, Wade Branner. Wade's going to be here to talk about uh, the upcoming uh, trip of the Kedets to Marshall uh, on the 31st of August. And, uh, you know, uh, just the state of affairs with VMI football, the be honest with you, the Kedets have struggled in recent years. Uh, their head coach, Scott Wackenheim, is in his fifth year, and he's only won six games in all that time. Uh, to be honest with you, it really appears at times that the Kedets are a little bit overmatched against some of their opponents in uh, the Southern Conference. But uh, we'll get the uh, thoughts on Wade Branner and how they're trying to get that program going again because certainly at times they have had a quite representative football program, and uh, and we you, you think about um, early years. Marshall was in the Southern Conference. Uh, VMI dominated uh, the herd, but uh, things changed as the uh, all-time record shows. Marshall um, last played the Keedets in 1996, and the series record Marshall leads at 14 to five. That's pretty one-sided. So. Uh, few moments we'll talk to Wade Brenner talk a little VMI Kedets football and kind of maybe go down memory lane a little bit uh, a lot of games passed between the herd and the Kedets of course uh, tonight a lot of MFL preseason football uh, coming your way now uh, the Cleveland Browns get it going as far as teams in our region of course the Browns are so uh, expected to be the favorites in the uh, AFC North well the Browns tonight will host the Redskins, and uh, that's a 7.30 kickoff up at uh, First Energy Field in Cleveland. And that, of course, is going to be uh, an interesting uh, game because uh, you got a lot of uh, young talent on both sides, including the former Ohio State quarterback, who will be uh, probably getting a little PT for the Redskins this evening. Now, tomorrow night, the Steelers, they get their uh, – Season kicked off. They will be hosting Tampa Bay's Bucks, 7:30. Of course, that is going to be the debut, at least in the coaches' booth, those uh, of Byron Left, which former Marshall quarterback. He is now the offensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Bucks, and he'll be uh, calling the plays tomorrow night as the Bucks play in Pittsburgh. Of course, the Bengals. Now they do not play till uh, eight o'clock on Saturday night, and do they have a tough one? They have to go to Kansas City to take on the toughest team, no doubt, in the AFC probably this year, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs. But uh, will be a chance for uh, Coach uh, Coach Taylor and the Bengals coaching staff to uh, maybe 
get a feel for the talent they do have and do a little evaluation because that's probably when it'll be hard for the Bengals to win against the Kansas City Chiefs, depending on what uh, personnel the Kansas City Chiefs will be using. Baseball tonight, um, Pirates are off, um, and they're probably happy they're off because they have struggled. They were swept uh, just this week by the uh, Brewers at home at PNC Park. Well, the Pirates open a series tomorrow night in St. Louis. And, uh, of course, we'll have that game at 7.50 tomorrow night on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 9.30. Now, the Reds are in action tonight, and they've been playing pretty good. The Reds host the Cubs at 7-10 this evening at Great American Ballpark. This is the first of a four-game series. And the Indians back on the road tonight. They open a big American League Central series this evening in Minnesota against Twins. The Indians have been chasing the Twins all season long, but now that Cleveland all of a sudden is starting to win a lot, Minnesota's kind of cooled down, and we have a race now in the American League Central between the Indians and the division-leading Twins. But in the, again, the Twins have led things all season long, but certainly not as um, much as they have had. Tell you about something else coming up this weekend for you MLS soccer fans. Of course, uh, here in our region, we have two teams now, not just one. And coming up in Columbus, Saturday night at 7.30, it is the what they call the Hell is Real Derby. FC Cincinnati will be visiting the Columbus crew at 7.30. Why do they call it the Hell is Real Derby? Of course, they call um, rivalry games, they call them derbies in, in soccer. Well, they call the FC Cincinnati-Columbus crew rivalry the Hell is Real Derby because there is a massive road sign along I-71 between Cincinnati and Columbus. Those of you who travel it know what I'm talking about. It's a religious sign, and it simply says, hell is real. So <laughs> if you, uh, I think that was a very apt uh, decision by either the clubs and or the fans to call this the hell is real derby instead of the Ohio derby. FC Cincinnati Columbus crew, 730 on Saturday night. And then they play again at Nippert Stadium at the University of Cincinnati a couple of weeks from now. So they're playing two games in three weeks. Should be pretty intense. Of course, FC Cincinnati, an expansion team. They're not going anywhere in the postseason. Columbus has struggled a lot lately. We'll see who uh, gets on top and wins the game on Saturday night up in Columbus. Hey, the Cleveland Browns made a little uh, off-field news today. They traded running back Duke Johnson Jr. to the Houston Texans. The Texans agreed to send a conditional fourth-round pick in next year's NFL draft to the Browns, a pick that can become a third-round selection. The move comes after Texans waived running back Deontay Foreman earlier this week. Foreman was later claimed off waivers by the Colts. Johnson had been seeking a trade this offseason, and it said there was nothing the team could do to change his mind. Of course, uh, he kind of saw the writing on the wall when uh, Nick Chubb, was drafted by the Browns last year, and he kind of knew that uh, he was going to be put in a kind of a background role. Duke Johnson did so. Duke Johnson says, trade me, and by golly, the Browns did trade him. Hey, uh, Baker Mayfield's got his hands on another cold beverage. He's not chugging this one. The Browns' star quarterback, who 
Further endeared himself to Cleveland's fervent football fans of inviting into a beer can last weekend and gulping it down while attending an Indians games added sports drink body armor to his growing list of endorsements. If you saw that video, it was hilarious. He was sitting in a, in a private box wearing a Francisco Lindor Indians jersey, and uh, they showed him on the uh, video board at Progressive Field, and he decided to put a show on with a beer can. Only Baker Mayfield would do something like that, and this during a, a break from training camp. But, uh, hey, Baker Mayfield, boy's going to be a boy's, and that's just the, the way he did it there with uh, that uh, – situation. So, Baker Mayfield, another endorsement. Baseball fans going to love this. Got to love this. The New York Yankees and the White Sox are going to play a game at the famed Field of Dreams in Dyersville, Iowa, August 13, 2020. A temporary 8,000-seat ballpark will be built at the site where the 1989 movie was filmed to accommodate the first major league game played in Iowa. Uh, this is going to be great. Construction on the ballpark will begin next Tuesday, a year before the game. will be played. Dimensions of the ballpark were not announced. Major League Baseball posted a video of a rendering of the setup, which will include a pathway through the cornfield for fans and aspects of the White Sox, former Comiskey Park. The right field wall will be broken up by windows to show the corn stalks beyond the wall. So that is going to be a lot of fun. August 13, 2020, Field of Dreams game between the Yankees and the White Sox. That is quite, quite unique. Hey, if you want to join us tonight, got something to say, you can call us on the Miller Lite phone line at 877-420-TALK. That's 877-420-TALK. Miller Lite, hold true, great taste, only 96 calories, the original light beer. This is The Drive with Paul Swan, brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Time for a break. When we come back, we're going to talk college football with the voice of the VMI Keydets. Wade Branner, you're listening to The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. It is about 518. Bill Cornwell in for Paul Swan this evening. Of course, this is The Drive brought to you by Heineken Federal Savings Bank. As we mentioned earlier, we're about three Three weeks or so away from the start of college football. And, of course, a couple of nights ago, we talked with uh, uh, Dale Alexander at Ohio, uh, Old Dominion talking about their amazing project of building a brand-new stadium in about nine months. Well, we're going to bring on another gentleman from the Old Dominion State, and that is my old friend uh, from the Virginia Military Institute, longtime play-by-play man and sports information director with the Key Debts, uh, coming from the, one of those beautiful communities in the United States of America, Lexington, Virginia. Welcome to our airwaves, Wade Branner. Thanks, Bill. Good to talk to you again. We're looking forward to, to heading over and, uh, and seeing you guys. I know we made a few trips through the years, our first go-around in the SoCon, where we were both members of that league, and uh, we're back now in the SoCon and uh, looking forward to, to visiting Huntington. And I, I will say also, uh, I like about the ODU Stadium. I was in Norfolk this year. And over the summer, and uh, saw the amazing progress of that stadium. Yeah. We actually were the last 
game in the old Foreman Field uh, and to see what they have done with that well, facility is truly remarkable. Exactly, and of course, uh, we we made much of the fact uh, uh, that, and, I, and you'll appreciate this as an old radio guy. There are three elevators to the press box at this new stadium because you've done it before. <laughs> Steve Cotton and I've schlepped up uh, well, equipment up many uh, many a row at the old stadium there. Yeah, and not only did I broadcast there, but I was the host of SID for a number of Oyster Bowls. That was uh-huh. the, the college fundraiser for the Shriners, and BMI was the host institution for a number of years. And so we had to bring all our equipment and our crew and up the steps, and it's good to hear that they're having elevators now. Uh, I mean, that that was a... Oh, I was just just excited. I said, "You're at least you're going to have one." Okay, that's good enough for me. That's good enough. Well, Wade, uh, let's talk about um, the Key Dets. Of course, last time uh, the herd and the Key Dets played was uh, Marshall's last uh, year in the Southern Conference, uh, 1996, 45 to 20. The herd won that game at, I believe it was at Jones Edwards Stadium. Um, of course, uh, since uh, the herd and the, the Key Dets have played there's been a lot of up, uh, ups and downs for for key Dad's football of course for a while you guys left uh the socon and then you came back you know uh, uh mm-hmm. how has that return worked out uh, yeah, yeah certainly it, it hasn't been maybe wins and losses successful but for the overall athletic program how's that worked out for vmi i i think it's where it worked and socon the the Big South it was an 11-year run, some great people in that conference. It was uh, something to, to try to maybe uh, get us in a football conference that was a little bit different. And, you know, after, as time, uh, it kind of ran its course, and the Southern Conference approached BMI with an opportunity to rejoin and to get back with traditional rivals. Uh, you know, we have a long-time series with the Citadel, the military classic of the South. We played firm in a number of years, and it's just – really good to get back uh, to some familiar surroundings and uh you know but having said that it's a very very good league it's not only a, a great football league on the fcs level but it's really made strides in, in uh, division one basketball as well men's basketball so uh it is uh a, a, quite a a challenging league uh, but we're glad we're a part of it again we were 79 years the first go around and now we're uh we're working hard to try to build our programs and be competitive in a very good Southern Conference. It's amazing when you think of the pedigree of the Southern Conference teams that you and I covered over the years, and certainly Southern Conference back in the 90s, you thought about Marshall, Appalachian State, you thought about Georgia Southern, and what what have those teams done? They've gone to the to FBS and they and they win conference championships, they win bowl games. Uh, it's amazing the the pedigree that those uh, clubs and those programs that, that developed in the Southern Conference, what they've done when they've made the big jump into the uh, FBS realm. Oh, no question, and I, I think. You know, certainly the Southern Conference uh, provided a great foundation for them to, to make that jump, and we're we're seeing the evidence of that now. Well, let's talk about uh, the key debts. Uh, uh, Scott Wackenheim was back as the head coach, and uh, last year a kind of a uh, a tough run for him and the key debts. The only uh, game that uh, key debts won was over Tusculum, and uh, I know that the Coach Wackenheim has to look at this year as one where they they really want to. To get the, get the road turned and, and start winning a few more games, obviously. Well, obviously, yes. Uh, you know, we certainly haven't uh, 
the last few years gotten the number of wins that uh, one would would expect or want. But uh, we've been very competitive in the sense we've had some some close games. I mean, two point loss to Citadel, a six point loss to Chattanooga. You can go on look at our last two three years and find a number of games like that. We've been very very competitive in a number of our our SoCon games, and I think. Scott Walkenheim has got the program in the right direction. Uh, last year, we certainly improved offensively. We went to an air raid offense, and uh, uh, we averaged only 8.8 points in 2017 and jumped that to 23.4 points last year. And so we think we've got that in the right direction. We've got a quarterback who's run that system through for a school record uh, over 3,000 yards. And Reese Udinsky. Uh, so offensively, uh, eight starters back. Same situation on the defensive side of the ball, Bill. Eight starters coming back on that, but they've got to get better. The defense allowed 40 or more points in seven games last year. And you just you just can't win many games doing that. But we've had a very, very young roster, not only the last, last year, but the, the previous year as well. Over the last two years, we've been basically a freshman, sophomore team. This year, we're a sophomore junior team, and we only really have seven seniors on the roster. There's not a whole lot of experience, but I've always felt that if this group can stay together and hang in there and you know take their lumps, which they have, but I think I think they can turn the corner and, and do some things. They've got to stay healthy, of course, but I think the nucleus is there for some good things. Yeah, you talk about Udinsky. I was looking at his statistics. He he put the ball in the air 523 times. That that is definitely an air raid offense. And you bring back a couple of really talented receivers in, in uh, Javion Lara and Rohan Martin. So he does have targets uh, if if you're going to throw the ball. Yeah, Javion Lara has led us in touchdown the passes last year. He's our, our deep threat. Uh, he's He's ready to step up. We're talking to him yesterday at Media Day. Uh, he really thinks this group of receivers that has now got a year of this air raid under its belt uh, can, can can do some good things. You mentioned Rohan Martin, who's not only effective as a receiver, but also as a, a return specialist. Old Southern Conference pick is a return specialist. And uh, so he can do things uh, with the football as well in the open field. And we're very excited about a, a freshman last year, now sophomore Jacob Harris. He earned all freshman honors in SoCon, but he caught 27 passes and uh, five of those were for touchdowns and 437 yards receiving. And I think it's nowhere up for up, but up for this guy because uh, he just uh, showed so much poise uh, as a freshman and really had a, a good transition to the college game. So we're expecting uh, big things from Jacob Harris. And there are a number of young receivers as well that can fill out that group uh, so, uh, and offensively on the offensive front, uh, we've got four starters coming back. So I, I think, you know, they've, they've got some experience and they're looking to gel as a group. Uh, you know, Marshall's certainly going to be a tough, tough test. That's, uh, you know, Marshall's uh, on the rise, uh, coming off a great season, a big test. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it's something that a challenge our team is, is looking forward to taking. You, you guys are actually playing two FBS teams this year because – Besides playing Marshall, you guys are going to make up a trip up to West Point on November 16th to take on Army. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, with the, the 12 games now, the FBS teams with mm-hmm. the 13 Saturdays can schedule uh, 12, 12 games. Um, I know FBS teams play 12 normally, but uh, they, uh, or actually FCS teams can 
can now get to the 12 games uh, this year. And uh, we had an opportunity to, to schedule Army a while back. And it's always, it's always good for a school like BMI to, uh, to play a, a service academy. I think you know, our, our alumni really like it. It's a lot of tradition with both institutions, a lot of uh, camaraderie and, and uh, resemblance and, and what, what the student-athletes and the cadet-athletes go through in a lot of respects. So anytime you can play a service academy when the opportunity arises, I think it can help your football program. And So we just saw an opportunity to schedule them. Um, and uh, they're very good as well. Yeah. So that's not going to be a, an easy game. Uh, they have certainly done a, a great job improving their program. Of course, Lee, you got uh, Jeff Munkin, an old uh, uh, Georgia Southern coach up there, doing an outstanding job at Army mm-hmm. as the head coach up there. No, yeah. you, you talked about yeah, – Yeah, and, and, and yeah, excuse me, I was just going to say Brent Davis was our former offensive coordinator uh, about 10 years ago for a couple of years when uh, we were running the triple option. So right. we're well familiar with their coaches. Uh-huh. Uh, they have a, a few other coaches who – Coach at one time at VMI. Yeah, yeah. You talk about special young men, and certainly at, at Army, you take special young men. It's certainly it's the case with VMI. And, and I remember back in Marshall Southern Conference days, we talked to, to VMI coaches, and um, and uh, they they would always talk about the it's, it's they when they recruit, they really have to talk go to a young man and say. Are you ready to handle this? Because uh, the the day that a, that a cadet goes through at VMI is a lot different than what a regular college student goes through. Yeah. And uh, yeah. you know you have to be something special to handle that. You know I, that's got to be something still that Coach Wackenheim has to um, to go through as well. But obviously, if you can handle it, it makes you tougher, makes you stronger, and uh, it, it's got to maybe translate on the field as well. Yeah, it, it certainly is a unique institution. It is a demanding uh, institution, tough academics, and you have to really manage your time. Uh, but we feel like uh, there are still uh, young men and, and, and young women who uh, accept the challenge and want to play Division One athletics uh, and get a great education. There's a terrific alumni uh, network, and so we – we feel that it's not just a four-year process; it's it's beyond. We're recruiting for a lifetime, and and to give a, a young man or young woman the opportunity and tools to advance uh, their careers and and, uh, and be successful in life and represent themselves and the institution well. So, um, yes, it's uh, it's not the, the largest recruiting pool. It is a challenge, but we still find uh, uh, young men and women that want to accept the challenge, and uh, and some do very very well as well. We talked about the the Southern Conference of the past. Uh, uh, now the the teams that are uh, that seem to year by year to be so strong. Obviously, Furman's still around. They're still good. Uh, but uh, I know a couple of years ago the Citadel had a nice team. Wofford has been so strong over the years, and now the return of East Tennessee and East Tennessee football they're becoming a factor. Yeah, East ETSU. And uh, Chris Sanders did a great job with that. He uh, really changed the culture there, and he came at the right time. They just opened up a, a new stadium, and of course, you know, trying to reboot their program. And uh, when we first played them, we we beat them 37 to seven. Went down there two years ago, lost a close defensive struggle, and then last year we uh, again, as I said uh, at the beginning of this interview, 
uh, we were right there with them. Uh, it was a, a conference opener for, for us, uh, and we only lost 27-24. Played on a Friday, moved the game because of a hurricane, but played uh, in, at Foster Stadium in Lexington and uh, took them right down to the wire. And uh, But they, they were... They had the ability to win the close games, and, you know, you can go a long way when you can do that, when you win those close games and build that confidence, and, you know, who knows? You know, if, if we had won that game 27-24, maybe things have worked out differently for the Kedets, but that's how, how far or how close we think uh, we have come with, with, you know, getting competitive in the Southern Conference. Yeah, I, I, I was following the, the construction of that new football stadium there, and, it's amazing. They're playing outside now at East Tennessee, and they're not. I used to refer to the Mini Dome as the world's largest airplane hangar, and it's <laughs> and it was a it was a different place to play football, and it was loud. I do remember that, but uh, you know, good it, it for really them. It really was, and they had a great home home field advantage for those teams that were not used to it. I always thought that you know the other SoCon teams had to play once or twice in there to get to get the hang of it. Yeah. By the third time, they were. They were ready uh, because it really was uh, certainly a, a different surrounding. I, I remember the team used to, you know, most teams run from uh, underneath or in a locker room out onto the field. They would run from outside into a building. They <laughs> would. The they, they open up that big stage door and come rushing in. I, I always thought that I, that looked a little big, uh, a little a little odd. But uh, I remember those, games, that. those days are gone, and they've got a, a great stadium now. Exactly, and of course, a couple of other teams that uh, you know have come along the last couple of years, and they're becoming a factor in the league. And that's the uh, Sanford Bulldogs and, and Mercer, the Mercer Bears. Yeah, Mercer um, is, is a beautiful facility as well. You know, they started their program a while back. They've you know, gradually improved every year. I think people are really expecting them to step up and uh, and be a factor in the standings this year. And Sanford, uh, uh, Devlin Hodges, their quarterback, I mean, set all kinds of records uh, in the SoCon and uh, threw the ball uh, a lot like we did. They they you know they try to score as quickly as possible, and they put a lot of points on the board. We scored a lot of points against them last year, right? But we just couldn't couldn't keep them out of the end zone. And uh, yeah, they were forced to be reckoned with. And I really thought last year, you know, they opened up at Florida State and and nearly beat them. Yeah. But they they really really took a lot of injuries, and it took a while for them to to get back on course. It well, affected their season. Wade, we appreciate you spending a few moments with us. It's been a lot of fun going down memory lane with you, and also talking about uh, uh, what we can expect from the key deaths when you come to Huntington in three weeks to take on the herd. Uh, I expect a lot of balls in the air, and that the Marshall defense is going to get challenged. So uh, we we shall well, see, and uh, it, it should be a lot of fun, Wade. And uh, we will look forward to seeing you when you guys arrive. Uh, before the game, August thirty first. Thanks, Bill. It'll be good to come over. Thanks for having me. All right, Wade Branner, the longtime play-by-play man, sports information director at VMI, and uh, of course the, the key dates will be in Huntington in three weeks from Saturday for the season opener for both teams uh, at six thirty kickoff time. We'll be on the air at three thirty with all the pregame activity right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930, along with 93.7 The Dog, your flagship home from Marshall University Athletics. We're going to take a break right now. We're going to go back and continue something we started when I was here on Tuesday. We're going to look at some of the college and high school football schedules and what we can expect. Time for a break. You're listening to The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. 
It is 20 to 6 on the drive with Paul Swan. I'm Bill Cornwell. Sitting in for Paul this evening. Drive's brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Reminder, if you want to give us a call, you've got some thoughts on um, what we're talking about today, you can call us on the Miller Lite phone line at 877-420-TALK. Miller Lite hold true great taste, only 96 calories, the original light beer. I'm going to pick up with something that we kind of left off. We ran out of time on uh, Tuesday night. We were looking at some of the uh, college football schedules in our region. And uh, we uh, hit uh, Marshall, Kentucky, and Ohio State. And let's uh, kind of look at uh, what we can expect uh, from some of the other teams in our region. West Virginia, of course, uh, they're going to kick it off at home on the 31st of August. Like so many, James Madison, a very good FCS team, could be a challenge for the Mountaineers coming in for that opening game. Then West Virginia goes to Missouri at noon on September 7th. NC State comes to Morgantown the next week, uh, September 21st. Uh, Next, uh, or the first uh, Big 12 game at Kansas. And, of course, uh, you have Les Miles, new coach there for KU. Should be interesting. October 5th uh, in Morgantown, it'll be homecoming. The Texas Longhorns, the homecoming opponent this year in Morgantown. The next week, October 12th, another Big 12 home game with the constantly, constantly improving Iowa State Cyclones. Now, October 19th, big... uh, Game for the Mountaineers, they are in Norman to take on Oklahoma. And then after a week off, they play at Baylor on October 31st. November 9th, Texas Tech in Morgantown. November 16th, the Mountaineers make the trip out to Manhattan, Kansas. November 23rd, a home game against Oklahoma State. And then they end the regular season at TCU on November 29th. Ohio Bobcats, uh, they have an interesting schedule, starting off at home against Rhode Island on August 31st. Then September 7th, uh, Bobcats get on the old bus and head for Pittsburgh to take on the Panthers. And that's an 11 a.m. kickoff, early kickoff. Of course, uh, September 14th, they come to Huntington to take on the Herd. 6.30 kickoff time. The battle for the Bell resumes after about a three- or four-year layoff. September 21st, uh, Louisiana Lafayette comes to um, Athens. October 5th, they're at Buffalo opening uh, MAC play. Northern Illinois comes to Athens for homecoming on October 12th. Then it's a home game with Kent State October 19th. October 26th, over to Muncie to take on Ball State. No, but then we get into Maction. And why do we mean by Maction? We mean those Tuesday and Wednesday night Mid-American Conference ESPN games. And it all starts on November 6th when the uh, Bobcats host Miami at 8 o'clock. November 12th, Western Michigan, 8 o'clock game. November 19th, at Bowling Green. And then November 26th, at Akron, 7 o'clock. And I believe November 26th is a Tuesday night game, maybe a Wednesday night game just before Thanksgiving. So uh, that's the schedule for the Bobcats. What about Moorhead State? Of course, Moorhead State's in the Pioneer Conference. That's the only uh, sport, football, that they play in a league other than the OVC. They play in the Pioneer Conference. It's a non-scholarship football league. And uh, the Eagles are actually going to start three weeks from tonight, a home game with Union Kentucky College at 6 p.m. Then September 7th, they go on the road to take Yawn, Illinois State of uh, the Missouri Valley. September 14th, they come home to to take on Kentucky Christian. September 21st, uh, Eagles 
go to Murray State. So they're actually playing an OVC team there, even though they're not an OVC football squad. Then they get into the heart of Pioneer League play. October 5th, the Davidson Wildcats will be in Moorhead. And then October 12th at Jacksonville. October 19th is homecoming in Moorhead. Butler Bulldogs will be the opposition. October 26th, the Eagles go to Drake. November 2nd, they play the Dayton Flyers in Moorhead. November 9th, at Valparaiso. And then November 16th, Moorhead State makes the long, and I mean long, road trip to play San Diego, the Toreros, who also are a member of the Pioneer League in football. Then the Eagles wrap up their uh, season November 23rd, a home game with the Stetson Hatters. And finally, let's get look at another squad. Some doesn't always get a lot of attention, but they are in our region, certainly in our listing area, and that is Kentucky Christian. Now, Kentucky Christian opens the season October, August 31st at Thomas Moore College. And then September 7th, they host Georgetown in Grace. And then September 14th, we mentioned it earlier, uh, Kentucky Christian plays at Moorhead State. Now, September 21st, uh, the... Uh, KCU guys go to Pikeville. On September 28th, it's homecoming in Grayson. Warner University will be there for a noon kickoff. October 5th, another home game. Kentucky Christian plays Reinhardt University. And October 19th, uh, more, uh, KCU is at St. Andrews University down in North Carolina. October 26th, Bluefield College comes to Grayson. November 2nd, Point University comes to KCU. On November 9th, November 9th, uh, Road game for KCU at Union College. And then finally, November 16th, season wraps up. Road game for KCU at Cincinnati Christian University. So that's uh, the schedules for our colleges. And um, certainly uh, it's been a busy week for the local high schools because, number one, in uh, Kentucky, they've been at it for about three weeks. But Ohio only got started a week ago in practice. And, of course, West Virginia, they got started on Monday. So it's been getting a lot of work done in a little bit of time. And it's hard to believe that uh, it's almost scrimmage time for some of these teams, especially in Kentucky. Now, uh, next weekend, you're going to see Ohio and West Virginia teams start to get out and do a little scrimmaging. Now, in two weeks will be the, the – uh, MSAC uh, Gridorama down in, I believe, either in South Charleston or in Charleston. And this is going to be the last one. They are not going to do that preseason event anymore. Kind of uh, uh, the coaches were a little bit tired of it, to be honest with you. And they were uh, also, uh, there was injury issues. There were issues of maybe showing a little bit too much for you to your, put low, your future opponents. So they were kind of uh, – we're wanting to get away from that. But let's look at some of the, the key matchups uh, for this year. Of course, uh, we're going to have the Huntington Highlanders right on here on these very airwaves, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Chris Tatum and Woody Woodrum will bring you all the action. The Highlanders, uh, they their first week of the season is actually their open week. And then they open up the season at home against Riverside on the 6th of September. Then they go on the road for two straight games at George Washington and at Woodrow Wilson before coming home on the September 27th to host the South Charleston Black Eagles. Then it's a home game the next week against Parkersburg South's Patriots. On the road on the uh, 11th of October at Hurricane. Home against Capital and Cabellman in the next two weeks at Parkersburg on the 1st of November. And they wrap up the regular season the Highlanders do with a big showdown with Spring Valley. That's on the 8th of November. Cabell Midland. 
looking uh, to have better season this year. They've kind of gone back to your, the basics this year as far as running that offense. They're going to try to run power football. Uh, last year they tried to get uh, – some people would say they tried to get a little cute, and they tried to throw the ball a bit more. They had uh, maybe a little bit more athletic team, but now they're going back to power football, and uh, they seem to be comfortable doing that. Uh, season starts at St. Albans on the 30th of August, and then Parkersburg comes to the castle on the 6th of September. Then early on, a showdown with Spring Valley at Spring Valley on the 13th of September. Home game with Hurricane on the 20th of September, and another home game. Actually, you got three straight home games, four straight home games, Hurricane, Capital, Riverside, and Princeton. Then it's on the road the last three games of the season at Woodrow Wilson, at Huntington, and at South Charleston. For Spring Valley, uh, Spring Valley is the favorite to win the MSAC again, pick of the coaches, and uh, they start their season three weeks from tomorrow night at Wayne. Rivalry game with the Pioneers, although probably going to be the last time you're going to see those two teams go at it, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, then uh, at Hurricane on the 6th of September, first home game is this showdown with Cabell Midland on the 13th of September. Then home games with South Charleston, George Washington, and Capital. The George Washington game should be interesting. There's no love lost between the Timberwolves and the Patriots. Why? Well, if you remember the 7-on-7 competition up in Huntington High about a month and a half ago, uh, these two teams fought and fought a lot. (laughs) And uh, so there's some bad blood between GW and Spring Valley for some reason. On the 4th of October, Capital comes to Spring Valley. Then it's two straight road games at Riverside at St. Albans. And then the start of what I think is going to be a good series on the 1st of November, the Ashland Tomcats are coming to Spring Valley. And the Timberwolves and the Tomcats uh, hoping to continue that series for a long time. Then Spring Valley ends uh, its uh, regular season in Huntington on the 8th of November. So those are the three teams now. Now we're going to have Cabell Midland once again on our Kindred family of stations. You'll be able to hear them on 97.9 The River. And we're also going to be your home for Spring Valley Timberwolves football this season. Once again, uh, we'll bring you the action of the Timberwolves on 92.7 and 94.5, the planet. So uh, Matt Perry will bring your play-by-play action. I'll be contributing. And also Michael Myers will be uh, joining our broadcast team uh, with uh, doing some color commentary this year. So looking forward to bringing you all the action this year on our kindred stations, Huntington, Cabell Midland, and Spring Valley. Now you look at some of the other teams in our area and uh, some that are expected to be pretty good. Um, Kind of an unusual situation, Point Pleasant. Point Pleasant's had good double-A teams in recent years, but they only have nine games scheduled, and this has been a problem for several years. They're not in a conference, and that's been uh, problematic for them having natural billion schedule situations. They don't get the season started till the 13th of September when they go to Gallia Academy. Then they uh, go to Lincoln County. They uh, host Bishop Sycamore of Columbus, Ohio, and that's the first of five straight home games for the Big Blacks because then they have Bluefield, Lindsley, Louisville, Ohio, and Mann and Ripley. They actually have six straight home games, and then they end the regular season at James Monroe, 
on November 8th. But they got to find a way to win a bunch of games there at home because they only have the nine games. Looking ahead to, to Ashland, we talked about the Tomcats. They're going to be pretty good. Uh, they open the season two weeks from tomorrow night at Knox County. And then they got a showdown with uh, rival Boyd County and George Washington. Uh, the Boyd and GW games are in Ashland. Then they go to Wheelersburg. Ironton comes to Ashland on September 20th, as well as Raceland the next week. Uh, Tomcats uh, play two in a row at East Carter at Russell. They're home against Greenham County on October 25th, and as we mentioned, they have that Spring Valley game at Spring Valley on November 1st to end the regular season. Looking ahead over to Ohio, a lot of folks think this is going to be a year for Ironton, and certainly a new coaching staff uh, uh, had kind of a slow start last year, but uh, talent-wise and scheme-wise, they seem to be getting it straight. Uh, Wheelersburg, uh, of course, always their opener. Uh, that game is on the 30th of August, that game in Ironton. Also, uh, home games against Russell and Fairland to open the season for the, for the Fighting Tigers. Then they go on the road to Ashland, to South Point, to Chesapeake, home against Rock Hill October 11th. Then they go on the road to Dawson Bryan and Gallia Academy in the regular season on the 1st of November, home game against the Portsmouth Trojans. So, a lot of folks think that Ironton or Gallia Academy, your favorites this year in the Ohio Valley Conference. We're going to take our final break right now on The Drive. And back for a couple of final comments, you're listening to The Drive on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930. It's The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. All right, welcome back to The Drive with Paul Swan, Bill Cornwell filling in. And, you know, we mentioned the fact that we're uh, carrying Spring Valley and uh, Huntington and Cabell Millen on our uh, Kindred stations. I forgot to mention, and I appreciate Jason Toy for reminding me, that we are actually also your home for Gallia Academy Blue Devil football, and we're going to be carrying those games online on our Big Buck Country 1015 uh, web page, Facebook page probably as well. And um, so you uh, Gallia Academy fans, your opportunity uh, to catch your uh, team online this year with us at Kindred Communications. So we're actually carrying four four schools this year. Reminder again tonight what's coming up. Uh, uh, Pirates are off. They open a series tomorrow night against St. Louis. Reds home against the Cubs tonight at 7-10. First of four at Great American Ballpark. Indians in Minnesota taking on the Twins. Big AL Central showdown for those two teams tonight. NFL preseason football. The Browns, we'll see what they got up there in, in Cleveland. Well, they're going to host the Redskins at 7-30. Of course, the, the Browns made a little news today as they uh, uh, said adios to their backup Running back, Duke Johnson. They sent him to the Houston Texans for a draft pick next year. Tomorrow night, Pittsburgh uh, makes its uh, preseason debut, hosting Tampa Bay at 7.30. Then the Bengals are at Kansas City on Saturday night. Of course, we'll, we'll be carrying Bengal football all season long here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 9.30. So uh, kind of an early start to your weekend, and uh, we got uh, – Plenty of activity sports-wise. 
course, tomorrow night uh, we'll be back with another edition of The Drive, and Dave Walsh will be back to, to kind of uh, take care of things. And uh, we'll let you know in about a week, week and a half, we ought to have our first edition for the new year of The Insider. And this is a complete high school and Marshall preview edition. We got schedules. We got previews of teams. Uh, we got all kinds of information there. And so uh, look forward to uh, get your copy of The Insider at uh, usual locations as they will be distributed. And we appreciate all of our advertisers who help us out with The Insider. That's going to do it tonight for The Drive with Paul Swan, Bill Cornwell filling in. We thank Wade Branner from VMI for joining us as a guest. And we thank, as always, the whiz himself, Gabriel Sellers, for taking care of the engineering end. I'm Bill Cornwell. Have a great Thursday evening. Good night. home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.